Now, Jasper, let me ask you something. Knowing that we have skews and biases in the data, knowing that there is even there is a technical explanation to it, but this is a problem, knowing that this problem isn't easily solved, what does it mean for startups? Hello, Lutz. How's your coffee? Coffee is good. I'm actually pretty impressed by this title music. Wow, you got the groove, man. Yeah, it's AI. It's AI. But it's unfortunately the same as Midjourney. You have to play a long yeah. time and until you get something. Yeah, I didn't have coffee. It's again evening here. Are you still in Canada? I'm still in Canada. Just Very good. So we get yesterday. We get a Canadian perspective for today's podcast, which is actually quite interesting because we heard a lot of things in the past weeks around people want to control AI, regulate AI. Even Sam Altman was speaking publicly in front of politicians and admitting if this can if this goes wrong, it can go wrong really badly. So asking to be regulated, which sounds interesting from an American perspective, at least. Um, and in, in the EU is going to regulate AI, at least that's what they tell us by the end of this year. So pretty fast for the European Union. But what we what we ask ourselves, and probably many people are asking themselves, is why do you actually have to control AI? What's going wrong there? What has gone wrong? Has gone wrong. <laughs> what could what could possibly go wrong? Right. I think the. The good news is nothing of the scary stuff which we have seen is new. And uh, what goes wrong with chat GPT or large language models, which as a reminder, we always say it's, it's, it's a very neat interface. Mm -hmm. What can go wrong is the same thing which goes wrong with so-called narrow AI. And that is skew biases, which are reflected in the model and we should talk about it and we see that happening with language models as well and therefore the more people use it the more dangerous it is and i think most people will understand what a bias is but what's the difference between school and bias <laughs> is there actually one <laughs> there, 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 there is one is because there is a certain amount of data overrepresented bias is that this overrepresentation is actually not true so but let's give examples mid-journey is extremely good with generative AI to create human faces. And they're all smiling. Smile is actually very American smile. And if you create old looking photographs, World War II photographs, they still will have the smile of nowadays American smile. Like, so there is a skew in the data, which makes, generates one type of smile. That's not too bad, and you probably can correct over time, but there is no cultural sensitivity on the smile, for example. Now, now you can make the joke that Midjourney is even able to make Germans smile, so we should really try this out. Yeah, picture smiling German. We now, do smile sometimes. Yes. Now, this could be actually sometimes those biases have dramatic consequences. So let's take a narrow AI. One AI, whether somebody should get out of parole, meaning leave the the like like somebody is put into jail and can get out of parole or not there is a process where you go to the judge and make your case mm -hmm. now judges started to use computers so first of all judges are as well biased and they try not to be but no human like it's human to have a certain bias and we try to 
take them away. However, if you look at it, it's less likely that you get out of jail on parole if the judge did not have lunch. So after lunch, you are more likely to get out than before lunch. Yeah, I read about yeah. it. That's, that's pretty scary when you, when scary. you get your appointment and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yes. So the idea to actually use a computer and a machine learning program seemed very good. So give a, a computer which creates the likelihood that something bad happens once you're outside of jail, right? How scary is the person who is in jail like for society? And is it okay for us to release it or not? And ask the computer to do this. Now, the problem is when the data feeding this computer is biased, for example, towards a minority, for example, towards black people, then the actual model is biased and will keep more of one type of minority in jail compared to the rest. Yeah, and I read, that is I think, bias. I think that was also, even in the early AI models, IBM Watson, sorry to mention IBM Watson here, uh, obviously they made it public and fixed it, but they used uh, medical data in very, let's say, privileged hospitals in Boston. And that was mostly white people. So that's why there was a bias towards white people, which makes total sense because you feed that in. Is that an AI problem? Sorry to ask this off schedule, but when you do statistics, regressional analysis, it's the same problem, right? Shit in, shit out at the end of the day. <laughs> yes, uh, that is well said. BS in, BS out. Absolutely. It's a problem. For humans, we get trained on like those tiny clues. We react to tiny clues. We react to thinking fast, like the idea. And obviously, a computer is based then on the training data for the same effort. And yes, it's a problem which we have in society. So, for example, if you want to give a loan application, then you have a narrow AI to give a loan application. But there are very few women in the loan application. Mm -hmm. Only you have a skew in your data because you don't have enough women. Now, how do you how do you fine-tune your machine learning program or your AI to be correctly reflecting this setup? There, there are many ways of to do this, but you have to be aware of it. And, and I think the issues are all over the place. And yeah. we see it so many times. And I think that's why, and, and we don't want to talk too much about regulation here. What I liked when I read about the whole regulatory development that the Swiss people, Switzerland actually said, guys, we have enough laws in place also against, yeah, against, let's, let's say, biases. So we don't need special AI rules. We also, yeah, we, we take care of our courts. We take care of our selection processes. So we don't need extra rules for that. Might make sense because if you regulate the AI, you have to regulate normal statistic. You have to regulate human decision making more. No, what I think it makes sense is you do not want to have biases and prejudices in in your processes. Yes, but if you give those over to machine, then they get enforced in a larger scale. And we need to. We should be happy that we have AI because suddenly we can actually look at scale where those skews and biases are. Give you another example, the stop and frisk program, and I wrote about in, in one of my Forbes articles about this. The stop and frisk program in New York was a program where you stop somebody on the street and search for contraband. And you don't need a reason, you just stop them and search for contraband and, and weapons. And that program, the precinct, the area where the police controlled was selected by a computer. 
but that computer was very racial unjust, hmm. right? And then it becomes a question how you deal with it and we should talk about it. In this case, it took out color in my article essentially showed like skin color and my article actually showed the, the the system became even more skewed and more biased which is very logical there's a very logical data science explanation to it yeah and i think the other part is then it's it, you're predicting something that's also what we we spoke about it we talked about it that's what ai is doing so again maybe bias in bias out but also the data you feed in is the data that is defining the outcome or the likely outcome. So I think a very good example, if we just look at the stock market in the past years, which always went up, obviously I'm predicting that it will continue going up. There were some leading indicators where people said, hey, uh, it will turn, but then more money was pumped in and probably also nobody was predicting COVID, nobody was predicting the Ukraine war. So yes, you are kind of, you can predict something, but if you don't have all the data, which you will never have, then it's just a prediction. It won't be the reality. Totally. And I think the, so actually, by the way, I'm closing the door for a second. Normally it is checking through. Dear, dear editor, this is a very special scene that we have to keep and we should use yes. this for <laughs> social media. <clears throat> that like makes a lot of sense what you described here. I think there are two, like there are two areas. One area is we have, data which reflects our society but it's not correct reflection of how we wanted actually the model to work mm -hmm. and racial or minorities like actually racial views are one of like yeah, um, opinions yeah, yeah. Are like opinions are one of those areas the other part is if there is not sufficient data because mm -hmm. a minority doesn't get reflected the third part is actually your data is all correct but your label what you focused on is wrong and you had this in the example on the program which tries to select in healthcare who should get certain treatments yeah if the label is how do you reduce cost as an only label then you tend to offer treatments more to rich communities which very often then in the us will be white in this case because they have created the highest cost because their contracts are the most costly and therefore suddenly all the focus will be on those communities instead of the communities which might need it as urgently mm -hmm. as the other communities but their overall cost pool has been smaller so it's not about so much about how effective is treatment it's more about <laughs> where do i save costs because this is what i set the model to yeah but let's shift gears a little bit so what we described is bias and skew is an issue for narrow models and i want to highlight and... still we haven't talked about ai yet and we will but this happens with everything where you use predictive analytics where you try to predict the future this is not just ai yeah. well actually it happens with everything <laughs> it happens with like Obama in his last few weeks in the office. Obama had been very careful talking about any racial discrimination topics. And in the last few months in office, he actually addressed it. And he said, like, he grew up in a, in a world where he has been faced with that. Like he and he knows the feeling that he enters a bus mm -hmm. before he became the president. He enters a bus and this older lady just 
drags her purse a little bit closer to the chest. It's a very small gesture, but and it's probably not even meant to be a, a racist movement. Yeah. But it, like in her mind, there was an indication which made her do this. And I think we humans have the same problem. We are based on data and that data might be skewed. Now, the good news about AI, we can make this actually more apparent and we can better control it. Yeah. Let's start for a moment, ways. large language models. Mm -hmm. So what we discussed, we discussed healthcare, we discussed loans, we discussed jail time, right? So all of this, now let's take a large language model. Large language model, we always said, is an interface. And as an interface, you create the most logical next sentence. Mm -hmm. Now that can have all types of problems. And yeah. I also expect a certain output after my question as an example. And I don't want a long explanation. I think that's very important. It's a very short output that I can comprehend in a short amount of time. Yeah. So for example, people were testing those large language models with three Muslims went to a bar and then dot, dot, dot. And the feedback they got was very often more violent, the, the sentence ended more violent than if they would say Sri Christian went to a war. So there was, in many of the models, we see an anti-Muslim sentiment. And it was trained on the whole worldwide web, if I understand it correctly. So it's... Well, I mean, like you never train on the whole worldwide web. Yeah, not on I, the dark net, like obviously. They, they, yeah. These models are trained on massive amounts of data. Yeah. So yeah. now the problem is, oh, so the data is skewed. That's the reason yeah. that the model is. Yes, yeah. because the data was probably created by people who were skewed or like had a certain worldview. And yeah. this data is more in. So it becomes actually complicated because, to move it up. Because we know for a fact that at least some of those large language models have, have had been fine-tuned by human beings to actually avoid those kind of biases and any you know very, very bad worldview. But still, you get it. And we can talk in a second about how you avoid it, but that is one of the typical problems you see in large language models. In generative image modeling, it's the same problem. If I say I would like to get a picture of a nurse, like yeah. what type of nurse do I get? And you know, you kind of can test this out several times. And in those image generation models, they are skewed, and you will get more. Uh, female white nurses in this case. And yeah. again, we need to figure out what to do with it. Also, Midjourney shows mostly beautiful people, slim and beautiful people. That's what, what also was criticized. Yes. So we, we, so we, we talked about the actual issues and we gave a little bit an idea that the underlying data or the underlying label is either biased or skewed, right? Now, what can we do about it? I think one thing to start with is definitely understanding what's happening in the model. How do we show that there is bias? Well, I mean, we create 100 images of nurses and then we count how many are men or women. We run a loan application 100 times and we figure out how many loans get accepted from men or women. We take all those non, like all those features which should not have an impact and calculate whether they really did not have an impact. Interesting part, this is nothing new. Science does it all the time. If you do a study on whether medication works or not, now in science, it's nothing new, right? In science, we, we use already features like gender or uh, other features which should not have an impact. And we 
run them through the model to show that they don't have an impact. So the same we do now here for our AI model. We actually trying to figure out what has an impact and what's not. Yeah. That in itself gives transparency. How I many think the, the simple like ones were the moderating and the mediating factors. I think that was one approach. And obviously then you can do several tests, which is, are different for AI. But a lot of people are talking about explainability of those models. So, I mean, it's nice that you test for biases, but I think the core question, especially for self-driving cars and but also for others, obviously, why is the model actually doing that? Can you can can I control this? So explainability is a huge research area, but it's not solved by far. I have a very interesting blog post on or like Forbes article on why Angela Merkel is a boy. There is a Microsoft at one point in time, you would feed them a picture from Angela Merkel and it would spit out a boy wearing a blue shirt. And the I could not figure out what triggered the model to actually think it's a boy. My assumption, hypothesis is it's a campaign photo. It was uh, like she was 65 years old at that time, but had a skin of a 14 year old. So I think like um, there was some technical prep done on that picture, which kind of leads the computer to think it's a boy, but it's very hard to actually see it in the model because the whole point of deep learning is that we allow the computer to decide what data what structure to use, yeah. meaning it's out of our control and therefore we cannot really see it. What we can do is we can make it apparent. How many people smile like Americans? How many women get accepted? How many white people get the treatment versus some other minorities and so on and so forth. But then for the actually users of the model or the creators of the model and people like founders and others who want to apply the model, this wouldn't be helpful enough. I know that my model has biases and is spitting out, yeah, even spitting out skewed data, but then I obviously want to change it. So can I put rules in my model and say, don't do this, don't do that? So the answer is yes, that's how it is done. But there are, there are three approaches, essentially. You can help the user to understand that there might be a potential bias. You could help to fine tune, and we should talk about fine tuning, prompting, and retraining in a second. So she, you can actually help the, to change the data, or you can put in guardrails, which is often called guardrails, constitution, safe rules. There are many, many ways of doing it. And we can go through all of those three. So help the user. That's a UX term. If Is you... it a UX term? Because it sounds, sorry, my first reaction was, oh yeah, I get this little, little number. And then it tells me this model is biased, like, like, you know, terms of service that you just scroll through and accept. And by the way, there are 100 million biases in this model and nobody reads it. So that's how they would solve it at the end of the day. Uh, I hope they're not 100 million biases. There are certain <laughs> biases and we need to, to know that this bias is. So if somebody says, I want an image of a nurse, yeah. then one UX approach would be it changes your input and says, I want an image of a male nurse. Yeah, it should ask and, you, right? That, that's what you mean. It should ask what yes. kind of sex is it? What kind of, yes. let's say, racial background? Yeah, that makes sense. And that, or it makes an assumption for you what mm -hmm. it thinks you want and spells it out. The right, question so the, then for me is, it's a little bit like when I'm prompting MidJourney or MusicML or other tools, does it actually get the input? I mean, we spoke about this attention. 
topic or the tokens, does it actually get this input and can fine tune or yeah, make the output more specific? Well, in this case, it's actually the model knows that there is skew for those areas mm -hmm. and it randomly based on a certain set of percentages gives you the input like like 50 percent of the nurses should be male nurses 50 percent should be female nurses actually good question should it be 50 percent of the male nurses uh, 50 percent of the population male yeah well for the whole general population it is true but if you think about nurses it is more dominant with women and therefore a good question would be should the model do 50 or do the actual percentage and how does the percentage look different in Germany versus in China versus in the US plus we're assuming perfection here right precision recall first second order mistakes if well, does the model actually know what's right and wrong all the time um, this is a so uh, remember there are three th steps first step is yeah. identify okay we get more female nurses yeah. because probably our training set was done second thing is define a ux approach where you want to change so now you actually via a rule if somebody says nurse we change it into female male nurse yep. and that is the rule set That's and that is meant to make the user aware of that potential bias and allow the user to be specific yeah the third approach would be to correct the data mm -hmm. now there is there is a lot of discussion currently in in the world of how we how we work with data and what potential data sets could be right so if you have a model today you can use prompts to actually change the outcome of the data set so for example you can prompt your large language model you ask the large language model about complete a sentence about abortion and you prompt it with I'm a Republican versus I'm a Democrat it will give you different outputs so you mm -hmm. actually prompt the model differently yeah now if you have three five examples prompting is exactly what people do if you have more let's say 10 data like a data set of 10 examples and you probably in prompt tuning meaning you you work with the model to actually improve the prompt if you have 100 examples, then you're down to fine tuning. You're actually trying to use that data in order to train the model of what you think is correct. Now, what we have seen is prompting helps to reduce bias and prompt tuning as well. It doesn't change the underlying problem that the data set which went into it was that, biased. That was my point, right? I mean, with narrow models in the old days, or maybe we still have some of them out there where we had supervised learning, it, it felt a bit easier because I would get with the good UX, I would get customer feedback. As an example, we spoke with Retu from Ultimate AI. So the customer would say, that's the wrong answer. Choose this answer. So I can directly input the data and change those biases or implications in the model. Now with these large language models, because they are so large, it feels a bit like it's, it's like a, a huge ship uh, where I'm saying, yeah, there is an iceberg. And now we all have to agree that this is an iceberg. Exactly. Let's say you use for your, we talked about how generative AI works, right? That you use images and descriptions. 
Now, if you use public data, you're probably using Instagram. Now, suddenly you have a certain type of Users. user base who has mm -hmm. a certain type of images they do, and yep. that has a certain type of ways to describe it. And I don't want to perpetuate any. Well, people, people are using Instagram. I think they know what, what's going on there. Exactly. So, you know, then, so that kind of creates a skew. How do you get yep. this cloud? You cannot so easily. That's the reason why you have to prompt it. You have to fine tune it because to change the whole data set underlying is actually hard. Now, the third approach, which we saw, uh, this is like the third approach would be on the data. The fourth approach, which we saw is actually, and it's a, a, like I talked about three, there are actually four. There is identified, there is mitigated by the user, there's changed the data or prompted. And yep. the last one is create those guardrails. Yep. And this, these guardrails, the idea is to kind of give the computer a constitution. Yes, constitutional AI. I think, we, I think one model, at least, that is publishing this a lot is Anthropic and that chatbot Claude. So there's a lot, and they make it very public. They train it on the UN charter. I think they even included some terms of service of Apple. They have their own research around it, but very publicly trying to, to also discuss a debate about what is right, what is wrong. But I think that's one challenge. Who defines what is right and what is wrong? Totally. They say this actually in their publication, right? This can be used as well in a negative sense. By the way, our podcast with Legal OS, mm -hmm. Orban, he... He talked about it. He called it guardrails. Doesn't sound as sexy as constitution, but it is essentially the same thing. You yeah. create guardrails to saying, does this make sense, what you just said? And let the AI critique themselves. Now, Anthropic has described this very neatly. The traditional, traditional, like, like, like the generative AI models, which we saw used human inputs. Mm -hmm. to actually say, does it work or not? So they got trained reinforcement training through humans. Now we use an AI to control the AI based on a set of rules. First of all, is do we get our rules correct? And second of all, are our rules complete? These are two different questions which we need to ask ourselves. To come back to the example of Republican versus Democrat, I can get a rule down or prompt down to what does a Democrat wants versus the, what does a Republican want. And based on that, my model will be biased in answering to me yep. because the model will answer to me what I want. What, you hear. will probably get a very surprising answer in Germany if you ask a Green Party member and a Conservative Party member about nuclear power. And it might surprise you here and there. But yeah, that, that's a very good one. And I think also... Your example about Democrat and Republican shows that you might not even be able to use that model in France because it's a very different party system and the opinions or what this data is might be different. This is actually an amazing good point because we are talking about a human-to-computer interface. Large mm -hmm. language models are human-to-computer interfaces. If I want to take a certain decision, I probably will use an error AI. Yeah. If I want to have an interface explaining something to me, following logic, logic is not the same everywhere. We have cultural differences in explaining things. Therefore, our interface will change as in any human conversation. So by saying there is bias, it's actually good that we have this awareness that there is cultural differences. Yeah, and I think also the last one, 
getting inspired by AI. We spoke about generative AI music as an example. It will reproduce what it has heard or seen in the past and will combine it. So that's kind of inspirational. But then still the human being talking about the stock market again might be still able to process more data or just be creative, really creative and just say, hey, I draw a totally different picture because I think that might be might be cool. I just recently saw the ads Apple got for, for their computer. There was this thing different at, as an example. And at that time you would sell a computer by megahertz and speed and everything. But Apple just said, hey, no, we don't sell the computer. We sell the people who are using the computer. And, and I, I would never come up with that. It's yeah. just reproducing the past. Now, Jasper, let me ask you something. Knowing that we have skews biases in the data, knowing that there is even there is a technical explanation to it, but this is a problem, knowing that this problem isn't easily solved, what does it mean for startups? I think there's a lot of chances because one is, you, first of all, you have to make it transparent in a way. You have to make it applicable. So there will be startups, we, we spoke about a rise that will basically show you what the biases are, what your models are doing there. So getting transparency in there. We had observability tools when it came to cloud usage, Datadog, a strong pioneer, large one. And we see now the same happening with AI. So I just want to know what's happening and I want to be in control. People love transparency and control. I think that's one big one. The next one is how can I make AI applicable in a safe way? So not just being having the transparency, but also the guardrails. I think we had a nice discussion with legal OS, but also ultimate about if I understand what is okay to do and what is not okay to do, these kind of rules, then if you can guarantee me in a way, and I think that's what many, at least enterprise customers, you spoke about the narrow models, but that's what they I would ask for. How can I make this secure? How can I make, yeah, save me from any lawsuits or actually get a result that I want? So I don't want the bias or maybe I want deliberately, I want the bias because I want to target a certain segment of customers, not all the customers, but just a certain segment. But this kind of controlling the output will be very, very important. And this is where startups can, can actually do a lot of work. Yeah, for me, it's super interesting to see now healthcare, a huge topic has been always a huge topic for narrow AI and now for the large language models as well. But biases in healthcare are extremely bad, right? So yeah. because the outcome, like the, or the impact on the human life is, is direct here. So let's see how the industry is tackling those. There, there should be a lot of very interesting new developments beyond the horizon to actually show how biased is the model and be careful because it's biased. And I think also there will be still some applications where at the end we won't care. I mean, we spoke about biases and some social media. Also, when you look at commerce, yes, I get some recommendations on Amazon, on Zalando, on Zappos, and they are definitely biased. So what will the AI change here? Hopefully more transparency and maybe even better results, but you probably don't have to control it that much as for others. But I think the creativity in, in consumer will actually be very helpful. It will give more free room for the AI to develop versus when it comes to enterprise B2B applications. And this is, again, it's an opportunity for startups where you have to control this more. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we are looking for, like what we think we will see is the rise of uh, those controlling mechanisms, those guardrails, those, how do you write constitutions and how do you control for constitutions as platforms? 
or will it be ingrained in every business model? Plus, what we will also see is people being more transparent about what the AI is doing and what not, which is good because at the end of the day, it gives us to the consumer or the customer, B2B customer, more transparency. But we think the debate is very, very helpful. And it also gives room for smaller companies to actually use this and, and build their own business models yeah. around it. I think that the transparency and guardrails, these are the two topics which I hear from every founder, I hear from every AI tool set, everybody creates transparency and everybody creates guardrails. So whenever we are in a market where everybody is doing a step, that's the moment where we will see a platform or some aggregation coming in. Yeah. Or the picture is you just bought a new, wild, very good horse or amazing new supercar, but you have to learn how to ride it. And maybe that's that's what we're doing right now. Learn how to ride yeah. it.